The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I'm Pastor Matt, so if this is your first time, I'm glad you're here. Um, there's, a, there's a guest card, information card in that uh, worship guide you received on your way in. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, we'd just like to get some information to you about who we are um, and uh, help get you connected in a church home. Uh, you can put that in the giving station on your way out. Uh, we're going to be in the, in the Old Testament today. Uh, so if you've got your Bible, meet me in Numbers uh, 13. Uh, Numbers 13 is the uh, beginning of the Old Testament. So those of you who start that whole uh, goal of reading the Bible in a year, you drop off one book before Numbers. So you get to Leviticus and then you're done. If you made it through Leviticus, you got into Numbers. So Numbers 13 is where we're going to be. While we're getting there, I want to... Uh, I want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, we had a lot of you come up on Thursday and sign your boards uh, at the new facility, and you got to see what the progress looks like and see the mess that's been created, and um, that was pretty incredible. We are going to be up there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week, so if you didn't get to come by and sign a board, or if you want to come and buy a board, you can still do that, um, but that wall is going up, and the progress is, is going um, we'll say it's just going. There we go. Um, but it looks great. I'm excited about what it looks like. I'm excited about what it's going to mean for our church. And when we walk in, that call to prayer. And on um, one of the days last week, I was up there, and they're digging this giant hole in front of the front door. And uh, I asked what that was about. And uh, we're building, putting the vestibule on the front, and so they had to dig out this the hole for the footers, which, I mean, they're giant feet. Our church has giant feet, from what I understand from this hole. But we made a decision to bury a Bible under that. So in the foyer, there's a Bible that's open. You can highlight some scriptures, sign it, uh, write a note in there, anything you want in that Bible. Then we're going to seal that up, and that's going to actually go in the foundation um, when they pour that new part of the the facility in the next couple weeks. So uh, chairs and boards, things like that. I want to also, there's a lot of announcements. There's a lot of things going on, skeet shoot next week and whatnot. Um, and I can't promise you that I will announce every, everything that comes up in our church community, but there, there's two that I want to talk about this morning. Um, one, I want to welcome our newest member, Matt, uh, Morgan Matthew Miller, who was born Thursday. Um, so, so what's your excuse? Uh, it's like, well, I was just born on Thursday. I'm here. Um, I'm just picking on you. And then, then also, the, our, really, our next newest member is Kaya Wagner. And uh, Kaya Wagner, she's, what, a month old? Six weeks. Time flies, man. It's going to go like that. But um, a couple weeks ago, Casey and Raisa uh, took Kaya to the doctor, and, and she was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And, and if you know anything about that, you know that that um, can, is a challenge. Um, it is also very expensive. And so what we do, we're going to do, there's this link here. You can write it down, um, and um, we'll also get some links to it on our Facebook page uh, that you can help donate with those medical bills. And uh, it, 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 is a, it is a process. And just as we did her baby dedication a couple weeks ago, uh, we make a commitment, church, to, to help. And we stand behind them and we walk with them. And, and I believe God's going to bring healing however he chooses to do that. But one of the things that I know that we can engage in is, is helping. And so we want to be, I can't look at you right now. Uh, we want to be a blessing to them. And we want to be a blessing to Kaya because we believe that God has an important calling on her life and and an incredible thing. And so uh, thank you for that. Um, so uh, now i got to get this back on the wire. So we love you guys. We love you. Um, uh, back on the wire. Numbers 13. Okay. Uh, we're starting a new series today called Moving. 
And uh, we, we launched this in anticipation of, of hopefully in the next four weeks moving into the new facility. I hope I don't have to come up with lesson five, six, seven, eight. You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever built anything, you know those delays. We'll, we'll, be, we'll title it every week, still moving, still moving. But I, this isn't just for us as a church moving into a new location, a new facility. Um, I wanted to really kind of lock in on this idea of our society and our culture that, that we're always moving, but are we really going anywhere? I mean, I, I, my family, we've got three cars that, that stay at our house at night, and those three cars are gone all throughout the day. We're all moving. I know you're busy. You are going in all different kinds of directions, but are we really going anywhere? Um, as a church, we're moving into a new facility, but I, I I'm encouraged because where we're really going is farther in the vision and mission that God has given us as a church. He has called us to go in uh, to Fort Worth, into this area. And there are people right now that are lost, they're hurting, they're broken, they're hopeless, they're helpless, they're in despair. And he's given us life through the gospel so that we can go in and bring that life and that light to men um, that right now are in despair. And that's the vision and mission he's called us to, is to bring him glory through lives changed by the message of the gospel. We do that simply by loving you and making Jesus clear. Um, and that's what we're going to continue to do. We are moving forward in that process. In life, we're always moving forward. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. You're either living or dying. You're either, I mean, there's no, there really is no stationary moment in life. Um, I think one of the things that that you could almost say is that the human race is a perpetual motion machine. We're always moving, but are we really going anywhere? And so I want to talk about moving forward over the next couple of weeks because there are things in our life that, that God is calling us to move forward in. Uh, he has called you to live a life, and He has created you for purpose. God has created me to be the man of God that, that He has saved me for. My first priority is to be that man He's called and created me to be. Then I'm a husband. I need to be the husband he's called and created me to be. I need to be the father he's called and created me to be. And then comes the pastor he's called and created me to be. And so I'm wrestling with some, some giants in, in several areas of my life, not just in, in moving and things like that. And so uh, I can tell you that, that we're all going to face giants and there's always going to be a something in front of us. And when I talk about a giant, it's that thing that keeps you up at night. It's that thing that, that, that you know, the worry starts and you just, you can't, you can't stop thinking about it. It's what you go to bed thinking about. It's what you wake up thinking about. It's the, the major area of stress in our life. And I could probably stop talking about what it is because you've probably already identified it in your mind. You have probably already said, that's what it is. I know what my giant is. And, and here's the reality. There, were all, there will always be giants in the land. There will always be giants in our path. I want to look at a story today. Um, we're going to be in Numbers 13, and we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. And so, you know, I can't do a message talking about giants without the old David and Goliath story, right? Um, so Numbers 13 is where I want to start. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own one, please write your name in that. That's our gift to you. Uh, or if you have a smartphone, you can find us on the U version, and uh, all of the fill-ins are in there. But don't share the fill-ins with your neighbors. No, no, no looking off your neighbors. Just you know, no cheating. Um, so Numbers 13. Now what's going on is God has called the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He has led them out of Egypt. They've seen great miracles. The the cloud leads them by day. God in His presence, the Shekinah glory of God rest above them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he is leading them to the land that he has promised them. 
And this land is good. It is flowing with milk and honey. He's, he's set the expectations for them, and he's told them what he's going to do. He's told them what he's going to give them. And then in uh, Numbers 13, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So this is the promised land. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. And then it goes in the, the, who those leaders were and what tribes they were from. There were 12 tribes in Israel. And so what's happening is God tells Moses, hey, send some guys ahead so they can see what I am giving you. So they can see what I am promised to give you. And then they'll come back and give a report. So they set out. They spend 40 days on this journey of spying out the land, checking out the land. Go down to verse 26. Here's when they come back. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. So they go in, they come back and they're like, look, it is awesome. It is everything God has said it would be. There is fruit, the the milk and honey, it's there. It is a sweet land. It is a prosperous land. It is awesome. And God is good because he has given us this land. But there's always a but, right? But, this is verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Enoch there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live there near the sea along the Jordan. So what they're saying is, it's everything God said it would be, but there is this one problem. It's the people. The cities are fortified. They're descendants of Anak. Anak is part of the Nephilim that we'll, you'll see later in a couple verses. So they're giants. When they say their people are big in the land, they're giants in the land. There are giants living in the land that God has promised them. And so they're like, it's everything God has said, but there's all this to deal with. And so they start letting that lead them, and they start letting that kind of temper the promises of God. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Okay, the Nephilim, you can go back to Genesis 6 and read about that. You can also Google it. Be very careful when you Google it to make sure it lines up with scriptural evidence. But to give you some ideas, um, the Nephilim were giants. So uh, Amos says that they're as tall as the cedars. Here they said, we look like grasshoppers to them. And so they are letting giants in the land stop them from the promises of God. They are letting them get in the way. There will always be giants in the path. We're going to face them. And the reality is God calls us to walk obediently in the life he's created for us. And that means we will deal with giants. I don't always have the opportunity of God showing me things in my future like this. Like when we launched the church, I wish God would have said, hey, about month three, you're going to face this issue. 
hey, about two and a half years in, this is going to be what you got to deal with. But in this case, the Lord told Moses, send some guys to scout out the land. They're not only going to see that it is good and it's everything I've promised, but they're going to see what I've called them to face. The problem is the people of Israel let the things that they were going to face cloud their vision for God's blessing. Because here's the reality. God expects us to deal with the giants. God expects us to face the giants. Those things that we worry about, whether they're obstacles or hindrances, whether they're things physically in front of us that, that deal with us as obstacles, or they're hindrances, things that we deal with in our heart, in our mind, our past, those hindrances, God expects us to deal with those. He expects us to face that giant. Now, let's go over and let's look at David and Goliath, because I've set it up for you, right? And you guys know David and Goliath. I want to point out some things in this in this. Um, this truth that, that we can take away from today. Um, but First Samuel 17, just a couple books to the right. It's right before Second Samuel if you're looking for it. And if that confuses you, God put a table of contents in the front of my Bible. It's in the front of yours. Don't be ashamed to use it. I still have to use mine sometimes. Um, so First Samuel chapter 17. I'm, I'm going to start verse 1 here and set it up for you. Uh, What's happening is this is after the nation of Israel has been established. They're in the land and they're having to go to war. They're going to war with the Philistines. And so we're setting it up. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokah in Judah. They pitched camp at the Ephes Damon between Sokah and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites occupied another with the valley in between them. So what's happening, it's your classic war scenario. You know, the, us guys, we like watching war movies, right? So this is like your classic showdown, classic battle. We're on this ridge, they're on this ridge, and we got the valley, and that's where it's all going to happen, right? That's the ring, that's the ding-ding. When it happens, it is, it is on. We're going to charge the ring, and we're going to fight. And on my signal, we're going to unleash it. You know, here it goes. And so this is what's happening. Now, there's a little bit... There's a caveat to this fight. There's a champion named Goliath who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Okay, I would say that's a giant, okay? I'm not six feet. I don't know what it's like to breathe air at six feet, okay? I, I'm, I'm depending on what convenience store I'm coming out of. I'm like 5'10", five, 5'11", five, if I can stand on my tippy toes. So I am nowhere near six feet. Okay, Goliath is nine feet tall. I would classify that as a giant, okay? He would have an automatic contract in the NBA, even, even if he couldn't run right? Just stand here and every few seconds get out of the lane so you don't get a violation, okay? And then just go back in. That's what I would have them do. I'd be like, I'd win the most NBA championships just by having a nine-foot guy on my team, right? He doesn't even have to shoot the ball. He can just like, I don't I'm just, I digress. Anyway, he was over nine feet tall. I got to get back on the wire. You're getting me off focus. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor uh, of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves with a bronze javelin, uh, was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron was like, uh, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Okay, so we're talking hundreds of pounds of armor on this nine-foot man. Okay, so for him to carry that, he's not just Andre the Giant, you know, because Andre the Giant was a big guy, but we're talking a fit guy to carry this kind of weight. He's a champion. So that's to set it up. There is a giant in front of the path 
of the Israelite army. The only way to victory, because the way that this has been set up, is Goliath puts the challenge out. He says, if one of your men, you send one man, if he can beat me, we will surrender to you and we will all be your slaves. But if I beat your man, you surrender to us and you will be our slaves. So there's a lot on the line. This isn't just a fight. This is two men that will go at it for the war. So there is an incredibly large amount on the line. The only way that Israel is going to get to the other side is through the giant. You see, God calls us to go through the giant. So then you've got this little boy named David. Jesse is his father. His brothers are fighting in the war. And they're up. They're huddled. Jesse sends David up. He says, go up to the front lines. Take your brother some food. That's really kind of go find out what's going on. Okay? And bring a report back to me. I want to know what's going on. Are your brothers safe? What's, are they all right? What's going on with the war? Are we winning? Um, and so David gets there, and there's no fighting going on. It's the Israelites huddled on their hill, and the Philistines are camped on their hill, and Goliath comes out and he taunts them. And, David, and he is defying, Goliath is defying the God of Israel. He is cursing the God of Israel. And David is like, man, that ain't right. That, who is the, and he, you get, he gets into some trash talk. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would talk that way about God? And so David's getting riled up. And so then David says, you know what, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so they take him to Saul. Saul's the king. And Saul knows everything's on the line with this fight. And David says in verse 37, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See, God prepares you. Your past is is helping you fight the giants in your future. Our past helps equip us for where we are now and where God is calling us to be. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are on the other side of the giant. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Think about the trust and confidence Saul had in David. Everything's on the line. And here's this boy. And he says, hey, I beat a bear and I beat a lion, so I'll go beat this guy. And Saul's like, go and the Lord be with you. I think Saul's like, yeah, God needs to be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go on these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and despised him. If I'm going out to fight somebody and they look at me and go, you're handsome, I'm not fighting you, okay? I'm going to laugh you down, okay? I'm just not fighting you. I can't, I can't fight somebody who thinks I'm handsome. What's the fight about at that point, right? He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. So basically, come here, I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you a lesson, son. But David said to the Philistines, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give, you, give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, 
and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So David, man, the confidence. He faced his giant, and the only, here's the, here's the reality. Our giants have to be faced spiritually before we can emotionally or physically face them. What did he say? This is the Lord's battle. This is God's battle. Now, we like to sit around and, and make excuses in avoiding our giants. And we say, well, God's going to fight that battle for me. Can I tell you something? God calls you to engage. God doesn't call us just to sit and say, well, God's going to fight it. I'm dealing with this issue, but God's going to take care of it. No, that's avoidance. God calls you to engage. David was willing to step out and engage. He didn't engage with Saul's armor. He didn't take Saul's armor to go fight the battle. And there's a lesson in that. We can't take our own. We have to take ourselves. We have to take our armor, and we have to go out, and we have to face the giant. I can't have anyone else fight the battle for me. I have to understand that this battle is the Lord's and I've got to lock in with what God has equipped me with and I go and I engage. And I face the giant. There are giants that you, are, you have to face. And can I tell you, you've got to deal with them spiritually before you get all an emotional ball trying to figure it out or you go and physically confront the person. I don't like confrontation. I don't know many people who do. I used to work with a guy who loved it and it was awful. Because he loved to fight. He loved to pick fights. He, I mean, it, just, it was a drain working with this guy. But I don't like confrontation. And I can tell you, when I'm having to go face a giant, when I'm having to go out and I'm having to suit up, I'm going to pick up stones and bring the sling, whatever it is that God has equipped me and called me to go deal with this giant with, then I have to step up and say, okay, God, this is your battle. And I've got to engage. My first engagement is on my knees. I pray, God, I need your power at work in this. I need your strength in this battle because I don't possess the ability to take out giants. I don't have the power to rebuke the enemy. I don't have the power over my own sin. It is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in me that gives me the ability and the authority and the the power and name of Jesus that I can rebuke the enemy that I can have victory over my sin, that I can go out and I can look at my giant and I can say, you will fall today. The Lord will give you into my hands and you and all your armies will fall and they will know that there is a God in Matt's life and that he is more powerful than my own will, he's more powerful than my own strength and that the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus, who there is no other name above, will be known because you will fall. That's where the authority comes from. That's where the power comes from in our life. And God expects us to engage with the power and authority. He gives us that power and authority. He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. You have the authority. Whatever you ask for in my name will be done. And let me tell you something. The giants that are in front of you under the authority of Jesus will fall. But you've got to go face them. And so David steps out and he faces them. Verse 48. 
As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Let me stop for just for a second. You need to quickly deal with your giant. Don't put it on the back burner. Because what's going to happen when you try to delay in it, you end up trying to figure out how to avoid it or go around your giant. The only way is through the giant. And so when you try to go around it, you miss the opportunity. When you deal with it slowly, you start getting your mind all worked up. I had to face a giant last week. And I can tell you, the meeting was set for the afternoon. And all day, I'm getting in this emotional ball because I'm like, I want this meeting now. I mean, I, I don't like confrontation, but I wanted that giant to fall. And it had to fall. And all day, I'm letting my emotions get worked up. And I had to constantly come back to it and say, God, this is your battle. Calm my emotions. Calm my nerves. Let me handle this the way you want it handled. And so I can go out and quickly and deal with this giant. So David runs out quickly. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. Ladies, you might not want to watch this. This makes it a guy movie right here. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shiram road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. There's a truth in this. There is a blessing on the other side of the battle. There are always going to be giants in your path. God expects you to deal with them, but there is a blessing on the other side of that, that battle. I don't know what that blessing looks like. I mean, we, we, like to, we like to obligate God on how we want Him to bless us, and you can't do that. But I can tell you this, there is a blessing on the other side of that battle. See, David went out and faced the giant. The giant fell, which is kind of interesting to me that he fell forward because I watch a lot of uh, police shows. I love that, love the criminal minds and things like that and First 48 and whodunit shows. Every time I see somebody get shot on TV, if they get shot in the front, they go backwards. It's interesting that David's like, boom, and he falls forward. I think God says, I'm against the giant too. And God says, it's my battle. You fling the stone, I'll take out the giant, but you've got to fling the stone. I think it was a double tap. It's like, you know, David with the stone went, bam, here. And then at the same time, God went, bam, here. You see, because you want God set against you, you be prideful. You go against God. He says, I'll, I'll humble the proud. I think God is like, bam, humble them. And then David got to cut off his head, which was awesome. I, you know, if there's a severed head in there, I'm going to be very upset. But... There is a blessing on the other side of the battle. And God calls us to that. He calls us to walk obediently in the life he has called us to live. He's created it. He gave his son Jesus so that we could live free, that we could live a life that he could bless. And he calls us to walk in that. I wonder how many blessings we miss because of our unwillingness, or let's call it as it is, our disobedience to face the giant. Let's go back to Numbers 13. Let's actually go to Numbers 14. Let's, let's look at the nation of Israel. 
because they let the giants cloud their vision and cover the promises of God. And in verse 14, or chapter 14, they start grumbling. We don't want to do it. It's a whole thing that they would do the whole journey. Oh God, why did you call us out of Egypt only to kill us with giants? We're going to die in the desert. These giants are going to beat us. They're going to take our, our kids as plunder. We would have been better off in Egypt as slaves. At least there we'd be alive. And they're grumbling before God. And then in chapter 14, verse 26, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who has counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in this desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the desert. For 40 years, one for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. There's a hit in the back of the head. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which is banded together against me. They will meet their end in the desert. Here they will die. They missed the blessing. An entire generation missed the blessing because they weren't willing to face their giant. I told you, I don't know what your giant is, but it's probably been on your mind this whole talk. The whole time I've been, been... preaching and teaching to you, it's been on your mind, and you start thinking, how do I deal with this? Can I tell you, the first way you deal with it is spiritually. You've got to deal with it on your knees first. If there is repentance, maybe, maybe your giant is a sin that you just keep coming back to. It's a pet sin. And you know what? You need to first deal with the repentance. And then you need to get off your knees, and you've got to face that giant. And here's the beauty of it. This was a community in Israel that grumbled against the Lord, and they, they were dealt with. Let me tell you, you have a community right here that is going to be with you in the battle. Now there comes the point where you've got to step up and you've got to face that giant. But I can tell you what, when the battle is the Lord's, the giant will fall. And when that giant falls, we're going to go help you. And we're going to stand with you, we're going to cheer you on, and we're going to be with you. You have a community of people that love you, that will support you, and we've got to encourage each other to face the giants. Our, 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 don't miss this opportunity. Our prayer room is open. And you've heard me say this every week, that our prayer room is open. I don't want you to miss an opportunity to have someone pray with you and pray for you so you understand that you have people supporting you, people in your corner for you to face that giant. Now, in this moving forward, um, one of the things that we're intentionally doing is every week I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to visit our, our prayer room. We don't have the space up here to do an altar time. But I can tell you what, in the new facility, there is space to do an altar time. And so we're going to be able to bring those, not to a prayer room, but to the altar. And so those are some of the things that as we move forward, God's calling us to be a church even more saturated in prayer. And even more coming and humbling ourselves before His altar 
so that we can lay these things down. But don't miss this opportunity. You'll have a prayer team in the new facility standing at the front at the close of the service. You've got a prayer team in the prayer room that's waiting for you to pray with you and pray for you. Don't miss this opportunity. Last thing I want to do is I want us all to make a declaration together that with the Lord's help, I will face the giant in front of me. And so I want us all as a community to band together, not in disobedience and grumbling, but us as a community to band together and make this declaration because it is the Lord's battle and you have fights this week. They're coming. And so I want us to declare this together. So I don't know if I need to count us off, you know, do the the worship leader thing, the digging post holes, you know. That's how I grew up in church. You know, that's how you led the the choir. But I'll count us off whatever we got to do. But... We're going to say this together. We're going to declare this together. All right, y'all ready? Like one, two, three. With the Lord's help, I will face the giant in front of me. Okay, now you said it. Now let's mean it. All right, one more time. One, two, three. With the Lord's help, I will face the giant in front of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that you have given us strength. You have given us power. You have given us authority in the name of Jesus to face the giants in front of us, that you have given us the ability to see giants fall. And Lord, we know that there's going to be giants in the land. You sent spies ahead from Israel to see it. You can, we know that there are things in our path. There are things that we have to deal with, whether they're, they're sin things, whether they're physical things. Maybe it's our kids making decisions. Maybe it's our marriages, Father. But there are things in our life that are the giants that are standing in front of us. And the only way they fall is through the power and the blood of Jesus. And I pray right now that, that you, you just well inside of us the courage, the humility to bow before you, the Lord of the armies, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that we bow before you and that this giant first begins to fall because we're able to humble ourselves before you. Father, I pray that as we get up, that you give us the strength, that you fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit to engage the giants in front of us and that we walk through the giants to the blessing on the other side. We don't know what the blessings are. You've just you've made promises to us that it is good, that you are a good God, and we believe you. You've told us that the battle belongs to you, but we've got to engage. We believe you, and we step up, and we're willing to engage. Father, keep us from from cowarding in the face of our giant. Lord, forgive us for trying to come up with ways to avoid our giant or go around him or, or just not have to deal with it. But the reality is you've called us to face him. There will be giants everywhere we go. So we ask for your strength and your courage. Father, if there's anyone in this room that that has never put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus, the one from whom that authority comes because of the cross, because of the giant sin that separated us from you, he faced the giant on the cross. And as his body was laid in a tomb, he faced the giant in hell and he defeated the enemy, Satan fell and Jesus holds the keys and he walked victoriously to the blessing on the other side of the giant which is a new life that he gives to us so father I pray if there's anyone in this room that maybe their biggest giant is their self and the sin 
in their life. I pray that you give them the courage to humble themselves and say, Jesus, I ask for you to defeat the giant that is me. And I humble myself to you. And I make you King of kings and Lord of lords. Help me to fight the battles that you've called me to fight. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.